I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Views and opinions expressed by those involved in the show are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the newbie guide to Sweden. Welcome back to the third episode of the Newbie Guide to Sweden podcast. Oh, do you feel that? Spring is upon us. The clocks are changing on Sunday and it really feels like the sun has remembered its contractual agreement to briefly visit us here at the North Pole. Those precious two weeks of summer are not too far away, newbies. My name is Shiona and in today's episode we'll be venturing into one of Sweden's biggest passions or obsessions or you might even call it a religion. Recycling and sustainability are big parts of all of our lives but maybe even more so now that we've all made the move to Sweden. We will highlight the number one city for sustainability in Sweden. Any guesses which city it is? and talk to a newbie who has moved to Sweden especially to continue his work within the sustainability sector and learn about his fascinating projects. Of course, if you haven't already, make sure you're joining in the conversation around this episode and our others via the Newbie Guide to Sweden Instagram and Facebook group. There, we invite you to further discuss topics and give us your input. You can really help shape the way this podcast is run, so don't hold back. Give us everything you've got. <laughs> but first, as always, let's kick things off with the latest news and cultural happenings that are going on in Sweden right now. Just some of the things that culturally happening in Sweden right now. Oh, the clocks are changing on Sunday, newbies. Oh, look, you won't even notice the time change thanks to technology, but you will surely have noticed a change in energy levels and general positivity in Sweden. Oh, it is important to acknowledge this wondrous moment when summertime officially arrives here. Did you know there's only 91 days until midsummer? Yes. Uh, but just before you get too excited, don't forget, there's often a sneaky little winter comeback that happens around Easter time. So, you know, maybe don't pack away those winter jackets just yet. In other news, Sweden has just set a new world record for pole vaulting. Actually, we just reset our existing record, if we're being honest, but this is a great time to introduce you all to the athlete responsible for this amazing feat. Armand de Plantis, or affectionately known as Mondo, is Sweden's shining star male pole vaulter. This insanely talented kid is only 22 years old and he has literally won everything to do with pole vaulting. Mondo is the current world indoor record holder, the world outdoor record holder, and the current Olympic champion for pole vaulting. But the reason that you have to know this guy is because he is also a newbie. Well, kinda. His mum is Swedish, but he grew up in the US and spoke English as his mother tongue for most of his life. But now he lives in Sweden, in Uppsala, and he's learning Swedish, and it's so nice to see him not only killing it at his sport, but integrating into Sweden just like all of us. Mondor has some serious cojones too, because he's gone from speaking English in his interviews to speaking Swinglish in them, and now he's mainly speaking Swedish while he's still learning the language, and I think that's just so fucking inspiring. So Mondor, 
bloody legend. Congratulations on the new world record. And who knows, maybe he'll be on the pod one day. Waffle Dagen is today, Friday, March 25. So if you haven't done it yet, get your waffles on. And finally, this is actually more of a tip, but it's been brought to my attention so many times recently, I thought I'd put it here. There is a show I recommend you all check out called Alt for Sverige. It's a reality TV show that's on SVT and SVT Play, so you can watch it online now, no matter when you're listening to this episode. It's a competition show where a group of Americans who have a Swedish heritage get invited to Sweden and they travel all around to these different cities and villages, and along the way they learn about their Swedish family ancestry. It is a wonderful show. It's so well done. It's really emotional at times, but it's also such a fun way to see different parts of Sweden and learn about the history of these families. It's also in English, of course, and it's really fun hearing these Americans talking about Sweden and mispronouncing all the Swedish words and towns. Look, I just really recommend it. That's Alt for Sverige on SVT Play. And that's it. Now you know. 2020, 46% of the household waste in Sweden was turned into energy, or that 86% of pet bottles and 87% of aluminium cans in Sweden were recycled, or that 61% of all packaging material in Sweden was recycled? Well, it should come as absolutely no surprise because sustainability and Sweden go together like peas and carrots. Or like sill and schnapps. Or like kaffir and kanilbule. Or or like meatballs and an unexpected visit to Ikea. You get the point. In Sweden, recycling is taken extremely seriously. And rightfully so. But I think every expat has experienced that feeling of panicked dread in the pit of your stomach when you've had to undergo the hugely daunting task of sorting out your recycling for the first time by yourself in front of other Swedes. Oh my God, Father. It's like they know you're a newbie. They, they can see your hands shaking and your mind in a spin trying to differentiate between the coloured glass and the clear glass bins. You can feel them watching you, ready to judge you, making sure you're taking the plastic lids off your empty cardboard milk cartons because what are you, an idiot that's clearly plastic, you noob? Do you want the entire planet to implode? Because that's absolutely what will happen if you don't remove that lid, Melissa, and put it in the plastic packing bin. And don't even get me started on jar labels. I know I initially felt the pressure when it came to recycling in Sweden. I was 97.8% sure I'd be instantly struck by lightning if I put something in the wrong bin. But now, recycling, it's like a therapeutic art. It's fun, I love it. And moreover, it's totally manageable. I've got my systems, I've got my bags, I separate everything first, I go down there and it's like, ah. Just give me a challenge, Sweden. 
I love a good recycle. How about you? I can't believe I'm asking this, but how do you find recycling in Sweden? What are your tips and tricks? How far do you take it? And how long do you wait before you recycle? Are you like a two-bag kind of recycling person or are you like me and it looks like you're moving house every time you recycle? Let me know. Part of all of our transitions into becoming professional återvinnare is largely due to the fact that Sweden's dedication to all things sustainable goes back a long way. Sweden has long been a pioneer for sustainability, even being one of the first countries to introduce a carbon tax way back in 1995. With a goal of being fossil free and climate neutral by 2045, it's safe to say that any major city in Sweden is doing everything it can to be as sustainable as possible. But there is a city here that has been particularly driven in its sustainability goals and deliverables. A city that is already hugely famous for being the birthplace of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I am, of course, talking about Malmö. Malmo is honestly a sustainability show-off, being named Sweden's most environmentally friendly municipality by the magazine Aktuell Hållbarhet. And this is not the first time Malmo has placed first. Let it be known that Malmo also placed first in 2010, 2013 2014, making last year its fourth win. All right, Malmö, settle down. We get it. Malmö has a long tradition of work with sustainable urban development. Some projects include the former industrial shipyard Vastrahamnen, or Western Harbour, which now proudly boasts a large concentration of green roofs and a sustainable heat pump. The neighbourhood of Augustenborg went from being one of Malmö's poorest areas in the 90s to being a marvel of sustainable planning today. Augustenborg showcases green roofs with succulents and moss which helps collect rainwater and contribute to increased biodiversity. Augustenborg once suffered from reoccurring flooding whenever there was heavy rain. But today's neighbourhood consists of a system of canals and drains which funnels the stormwater into ponds and surrounding parks. What was once a huge problem became a way of nurturing beautiful green surroundings. Hilli is another neighbourhood in Malmö which has been designed with the climate at its forefront. Its design means it's completely powered by renewable energy and they've thought of many clever little extra solutions, including bicycle services to encourage people to use their bikes and even carpooling. In their own unique way, each of these communities has achieved their gold star in climate conscious development, all stemming from Malmö's particular passion for sustainability. Malmö already has the third largest wind park in the world, powering 60,000 homes, and Malmö has the ambitious goal of running entirely on renewable energy by 2030. Bloody hell, Malmö! Before this, I thought Malmö was awesome just because of its falafel and for being the place where they filmed half of Braun. But, gee, I've also got to tell you... Oh, oh, sorry, it's a... Oh, it's another text from my Swedish father-in-law, Arne Banana. Yes, he knows what we're talking about on this episode. He, okay, he says, ask the, okay, he wants me to ask you guys if you know how old the punt system is. For those of you who don't already know, the punt system is where you take your aluminium cans and some plastic bottles to a deposit place, usually at a supermarket, and you can get one kroner back per can or bottle. Anna Banana writes, here's a clue. It is older than you, Shiona. Bloody hell. Then this pun system is a grandma. Ah. <laughs> well, okay, let's hope he gives us the answer to that question by the time this episode is finished. So now I have the pleasure of introducing you to our next newbie. His name is Francisco Villaplana and he is an expert in all things sustainability. We met up in a cafe in Stockholm to discuss his work. 
Yes, so my name is Francisco Villaplana, but my, my real long name is Francisco Javier Villaplana Domingo. So that could wow. give you a hint from where I'm from. I'm originally <laughs> from Spain, uh, specifically from a small village in Alicante in the East Coast called Muro. I'm very proud of uh, that little village where I'm from. Wow. And uh, well, my first time in Sweden was 2003 as exchange student. So it's been uh, some time. Oh my goodness. Yes, and uh, well, I've been going back and forth different countries Spain Australia the Netherlands but I came back to Sweden in 2011 and I've been in Stockholm since fabulous yes. so you got, it became a bite when you first came here and you yes. couldn't shake it yes I mean uh, yeah I think it's a country that gets under your skin I as I say it's, it's very different to Spain. I was going to say, like yeah. polar opposite to Spain. It's, it's different to Spain, but I mean, there are really things about the Swedish lifestyle and the culture and that works for me. I mean, mm. and, and it's home, yeah. I consider it. I'm very happy to be here and I, I think I will stay for a little bit while. Fantastic. So. <laughs> you see, you, you definitely give a sense that you're very comfortable in, in Sweden. You took your bike here, which is very Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> Fran, and you go by Fran. Yeah. That's short, yeah. yeah short, yeah. Fran, tell me about what you do in Sweden. You were just around the corner from the cafe that we're sitting in, <laughs> and we're, we're here in sort of Sibirian of, of Stockholm, but what do you do in Sweden? Yes, so basically I am a researcher and a, a teacher. So I work at Koteho, which is the, the technical university, Royal Institute of Technology, here in, in Stockholm. And uh, well, uh, I studied chemical engineering in Spain, mm. and then I did my PhD both in Spain and in Sweden for four years. And my, my topic was plastics recycling. So it's very connected to oh what we're gonna talk. Oh my God. And now I'm working within also chemistry, but I'm working more towards natural polymers or natural, uh, natural polymers, they're called big molecules, mostly towards materials and food. So it's uh, my areas of that I'm working mm. now. So one of the areas that I'm working with is replacing, for example, uh, materials that are produced from from oil, from, from fossil mm -hmm. fuels, mm. uh, for, uh, let's say, materials that come from renewable resources, mm -hmm. like, for example, the forest mm. uh, in Sweden is a big resource here. Mm. And the second part of what I do is towards food, because, mm. again, food as a material, because when we eat and when we drink, I mean, it's, it's a material, so I'm very mm. interested in what are the components in the food, the proteins, the carbohydrates, mm. and so how we can basically produce new food products with better health properties, for example. And wow. food waste is another topic that I'm quite interested in. So how can we use side streams that are produced during the, yeah, in the whole value chain production of, for example, cereals, how we can use them in a better way, mm. instead of maybe only discarding or burning or you know, so try to, try to get the most out of the resources that we have. When you're speaking about this, it covers a whole range of different uh, areas and, and parts that make up a society. Do you think this kind of attention to sustainability exists in all countries or is this very much a Sweden thing? I mean, I think, I mean, nowadays we all know the, the situation we're in with climate mm. change, etc. I think it's a, a global, there's a global awareness about yeah. it. But I would say that specifically in Sweden, Sweden is really working a lot and really considers it close to their heart. Mm. And I think it goes back to the connection that Swedish people have, for example, to the forest, mm. to the field, to general being. Even we're in Stockholm, but you can we can just walk 15 minutes mm. and we're in the middle of the forest. Yeah, exactly. We're in Brunsviken. Yeah. So there's always a connection between, I think, with Swedish people and, and you know, the environment. And, mm. and to take care of it is very important. And I think through that historical and cultural connection, it comes this you know, really mentality and really this embracement of sustainability as, a, mm. as an overall, I would say, philosophy or concept. Yeah. I mean, we have the example of Greta Thunberg. I mean, it's, I would say, yes. Yes. and it, it, there's, it, there's no joke. I mean, it's, it's very clear why she is from Sweden originally. Yeah. I think it creates that culture. 
Absolutely. of worrying about the you know environmental issues. Yeah, Swedes are brought up with this since they're born. It's embedded in the in the daily life. Mm. So you mean you so you know you get educated as a kid mm. to do that to recycle to separate the different trash. Mm. Creates an interest, doesn't it? Because I guess like you know when you're splitting all these things up, you're also wondering what happens to it. Okay, if I'm putting the coloured glass bottles in this bin, but I'm putting the non-coloured bottles in this bin, there must be a reason, and where is it going? And do you know, Fran, what happens to all these things that we recycle? <laughs> to, be, to be honest, I mean, you, you mentioned the two cases, I mean, I'm sure they get, again, melted and reproduced into another, into another material. I know more what happens to plastic waste. Okay. Some of it... Actually, they get separated. There are techniques for that, so you can separate different uh, sources of plastics. Some mm. of them, you can remelt them oh. into a new product. That's called mechanical recycling. So uh -huh. basically, it means you have a plastic material, you apply some heat and some pressure. Basically, you melt it and then you can reform it again. That's one of the wonderful things about plastics, that you oh, can recycle yeah. them. Okay. It, it, the same happens with maybe the organic trash. Uh, it gets uh, you know, to produce energy. I mean, there's always this mentality of, okay, let's try to get the most of what we have. And, mm. uh, that, and, and the important thing is basically that, it, that it's contained in a circle. Mm. It is always circular. Because if it goes into the environment, this, that's, then is when we have the problems. Yeah. There's a lot of issues with plastic waste. We know that, you know, plastics in the ocean. The problem is not about the plastics being bad per se. We need plastic materials. Otherwise, yeah. the counter effect of not having, for example, plastic materials in, for example, construction or in some types of packaging, it would be actually worse than the, the effect. The problem is that when they get leaked out. Yeah. And that's because we don't use them properly. Okay. That's the, that's the problem. I hope it's not too bold to say that Fran is now officially mine and your expert on plastics. He actually started his whole career studying plastics and I wanted to know more. You said you did your PhD in Spain and in Sweden yes. about this topic. Yes. Tell me more about that. What were you focusing on? So we were looking at the time uh, about this process I just mentioned, which is mechanical recycling. That's when you take the plastics and you melt, melt them. it mm. and you can get another product. So we were checking two things. One was how many times can you actually do that process oh, without yeah, affecting the properties? Mm. Because it's very important when you're using, you can, you know, do this, this cycle of I have a plastic, I use it, mm. and when you use it, it's exposed to some environmental conditions like yeah. oxygen, light that actually affect mm. the behavior of the plastic material, and then you melt it again, you use it again, etc. etc. So, mm. how many times could we do that? You know, so the, the properties are the same. Yeah. And actually, we can actually do it over 10 times. So a lot, you can actually oh. recycle several times. I mean, we're looking at this, how they, they degrade with time. So yeah. degradation mm. uh, is like aging. I mean, we all age. Mm. Plastics also age. Plastics mm. also age. <laughs> and that's what, and that means, that's the thing. It's like when you have, an, when you have a, a type of plastic in particular and you want to recycle it many times, then you mm. don't want it to you know, to age so much. Yeah. Another thing is when we want plastics to degrade in the environment. That's another story. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the problem with, with plastic too, that the problem is that it doesn't they degrade. It doesn't degrade. Yeah. So it, what is good is bad. That's the, that's the issue with this. It's a complex issue. So you always need to design your, your product and choose the materials there. It can be plastics, it can be metals, it can be whatever. Mm. So the function is fulfilled, obviously, mm. but also you need to think about what you're going to do with it when you are not using it anymore. Okay. And that's yeah. when it's important. This, this, this principle is called design for recycling. Mm. So basically you need to take into account, okay, I'm going to use, you know, this package yeah. and maybe I'm going to use it once. Mm. Does it make any sense to use a material that is never going to degrade? Mm. No. Mm. no. Maybe you can use something that, you know, even if it gets leaked out, then yeah. you know it's going to be, you know, be able to return to the cycle. But if you're using, for example, a plastic window frame, then yeah. you don't want it to, to degrade. Yes, so, of course. So then, yeah. you know, that's when these, all these concepts were, are very important when you actually think about when you're designing a process. Are companies using the research you're doing in order to make products? Are you part of the advice for companies? Of, if you're going to do this recycled shoe, hmm. then you should really use these plastics and this is how you get them. Is that how it sort of all works? Well, not me, because I mean, I kind of left that topic 
when I finish my PhD, but yeah, some of my colleagues that continue with that, that's exactly mm. what they're doing. They are they are actually studying choices, you yeah. know, when you have product development, which is the best choice mm. for that application, thinking circularly, thinking mm. of the life cycle of mm. the product. So yeah, that's what researchers like me at KTH can contribute to, to basically help advise which material for an application, but also to consider the environmental footprint mm. of that choice. So you mentioned that you're stepping away from that sort of environment. What is the environment you're focusing now at KTH? Yes, so now I'm, I'm working mostly with, with natural resources, mm -hmm. so mainly plant-based. Uh, I turn into looking at plants at the molecular level, at the very small scale, so the components. Yeah. So I'm working both in the forest area, mm -hmm. uh, so trying to look how, for example, wood looks like at oh, the molecular level. Wood. has a big impact on what I was mentioning of if we want to replace materials from that we now produce from maybe non-renewable sources like, you know, petrol, oil. Okay, yeah. But we can replace them from, from biomass. So how, how does that look? How, how does mm. that work? Mm. But also looking into into food, which is fundamental, of course. Yes. And then it's it's also one of the big contributors to, to environmental footprint. Yeah. Uh, both the production of food has a big impact on the emission of greenhouse gases, mm. but also land use, water consumption, etc. Et yeah, of so, course. And what both have into, into, in, in common, and this is a bit of chemistry, I would just mention one word. Go for it. You're, allowed, you're are, allowed to know it out yes, here. Yes, that's one thing, <laughs> is that both are actually mainly made of carbohydrates. So, Wood and... And, yeah, and food, food. Potato, yeah, yeah. potato or... Yeah. So, yeah. so that's basically my, my specific area of interest, like well, carbohydrates. But then from there, you know, it goes into all these issues that we're discussing now, you know, materials, food, sustainability, circularity, etc. So wood and food have become Fran's babies, in particular studying how the carbohydrates look in both of them so he and his team can better understand how they can be used to replace items made by non-renewable resources or to try and better reuse the products that are left over as waste. It sounds super fun and wonderfully complicated. I wanted to know, had Fran and his team had any Eureka golden ticket moments in his research? Have you had any hallelujah moments where you're like, oh my God, I found this thing. This, is, this could really make a huge difference in... So one of the main things that we're looking at is in the, in the, in the food area, for example, looking at size streams when you produce, for example, flour. Flour, so, yeah. Flour. If you take wheat, for example, the grain, there's a part of it that we use for, for flour, but there's a part that is normally not, not used. It's called the bran, the outer layer. Yeah. And that, that's actually very good for us because when you say, let's say, eat more fiber, yeah. that's the fiber. Oh, But it okay. tastes a bit bitter. So that's mm -hmm. why we don't want to have it yeah. so mm. much. Yeah. So normally, actually, it goes for for feed for animal consumption. Okay. So yeah. but, I mean, it, I mean, at least it's not you know burnt or thrown away. It's used, yeah. which is good. Yeah. But wouldn't it be amazing to use that, the good bits in the in the brand that actually is good for our health? Yeah. But maybe and discard the bitter ones that maybe we don't want to eat. So yeah. That's exactly what we're trying to do. So get processes to get these good bits out of the brand in this particular case. Yeah. And then we can incorporate them in. Any product, Foods food, and whatever. Yeah, so you're working on how to split them split up and them find out and them. And then go. And then Eureka moment you were mentioning, yes, we actually developed a process a few years ago. We patented it. Mm. And hopefully together with some companies we that they are looking into, you know, making it upscalable so you can actually do it in, in large scale. So that's actually a quite fun project. So maybe in the wow. future we will have... Uh, maybe bread with enriched fiber <gasps> or cookies that have these good bits, the good fiber that we're extracting. So, yeah. Wow, Fran, look Let's at see. you. <laughs> Part of the pioneering team of enriched fiber, the new go. way of doing it. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is really, really exciting. Um, does anyone else spot a Nobel Prize in the horizon? Because I just feel like I'm having coffee with one of its recipients. <laughs> Now, at this stage of the conversation with Fran, it was very clear to me that I was sitting opposite someone who was not only delightful, but incredibly intelligent. And I thought, I'm just going to take this opportunity to ask them something that I've been wondering for a while now. And maybe you have been too, because it's something many of us have experienced before. It's the flugbusener. 
You know, the buses you take to the airport. When you're going to Arlanda Airport or Skavsta Airport, you get the Flieg Busana. Yes. And they are very proudly displaying this, uh, it's striped all over these buses that they run on wraps ulia or canola oil in mm. English. Has that been discovered through, I guess, research similar to what you're doing? Yeah, most probably, yeah, it has been research done who knows where, yeah, mm. obviously. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure they just, you know, came with a smart way of, you know, extracting that oil from whatever resource they're considering and, mm. and to be able to do it in a scale that it's actually good enough to be used in, you know, in Flickbusana. Mm. Then what is also important is actually to make sure that these new processes that we are inventing, because that actually they are really sustainable. Yeah, well, that's it, right? Because we Why don't know. aren't we doing all cars with wraps earlier, or is it just that we don't have enough wraps? There could be many mm. effects, yeah, because mm. maybe we don't have enough, or maybe for because for a specific type of transport it works better, but not for others. Oh, sure. So that's yeah. the whole thing. It's like you never. That's why you every time we do research, or every time a product is released into the market, it should be always coming with a life cycle analysis, sustainability studies, so we make sure that what we are doing and releasing is better than the alternatives that we have. Otherwise, we are maybe we try to yeah. fix one problem when we're making another. We make another problem, exactly, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Wow, so I guess this is getting a bit philosophical, but based on the research you're doing, and I guess you know about tons of research happening in all other countries and different universities and stuff, do you have hope that we actually can turn this around? I think so. So actually, yes, I would have, I mean, scientists, we have to be optimistic and I think we, we have the possibility to do that, but we, we need to, to really act now. Mm. Now is the time. Mm. And uh, I'm going to quote a very dear friend and actually a very good Spanish researcher. She, she's working in the UK in what they call the UK decarbonization sector. Basically, what we're trying to do is to compensate all the emissions of CO2 to mitigate climate change. She's very outspoken. It's like, yes, we are, we can revert the situation, but we need, we need to act now yeah. and start taking this seriously because the technologies might be there, but we need to implement them. Mm. And it's very important that at every level, state, public, private, that there is this research or there is this focus on trying to find the best technology to be able to mitigate this uh, the, the footprint of whatever you know mm. production we, we are having so mm. yes optimistically yes we're in the time but we need to really act mm. now now because this is the 10 years we need the 20s the 2020s mm. is when we need to act yeah if we don't do it now we might it might be really too late yeah so you guys are like super bloody important to our future we are but we also need because we are we're doing, we're doing research, we're not implementing maybe at large scale. We need mm. the involvement of everyone. Mm. We need the involvement of the society to make sure that you know, these, these things are prioritized. Mm. Because it's up to us when we vote mm. to make sure that when we vote, you know, these issues are prioritized. But it's, it requires the involvement of all the, all the companies, the industry, the private sector, the mm. public sector, etc. So it really requires the involvement of everyone. And that's what we do also in our research. That's also... People, when think research over in the lab, we do that. But it's also very important that we actually communicate mm. what we do, like we're doing now. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, that, so we can we can not only show you know the cool things we do with the carbohydrates, but also to explain the importance of you mm. know having research and innovation and sustainability as a really one of the, our pillars that we have. Yeah, and that's very good to be clear on that. Just because the researchers are finding these things and having these hallelujah moments. It can't really go anywhere unless there's other parties getting involved, willing to invest in changing how they do things, companies that are willing, Flig Busan are willing exactly. to give a bunch of their buses over to try and make them run on canola oil. Exactly. I mean, that's a big... That's a big exactly. gamble, isn't it? Exactly. And Landman and the, the company I was telling you about we work together with, that they really want to invest in a technology that takes part of the side streams and puts it back in, in, in new products that have a benefit for our health. I mean, it, that's what I'm saying. There's uh, small actions or big actions that everyone can make hmm. that will contribute or you as a consumer or us as a consumer here having a, a glass of juice that is, actually comes from you know, rescued apples, that's yeah. actually another example. <laughs> but you know what I mean, you know, try to make choices in our daily life that mm. will actually, you know, have a positive impact. If we're armed with this knowledge that comes from you, 
then consumers can also start asking companies that they are already buying products from, what, what are you doing to make your products more circular and sustainable? Just even being able to ask the question, if there's enough pressure on companies, especially now, and especially in Sweden, there's such a rush to show that they're being more climate conscious. No, exactly, and that's exactly the key. I mean, it comes it comes from all the different, it has to come from all the different, let's mm. say, angles, from the consumers, from the companies, etc. And I think one of the good things that we can do in Sweden is actually to export this model. Because if yeah. we prove that it works here, it can it can work anywhere. We know that it is super important, especially now in 2022, that we all appreciate the joint responsibility we all have for our changing environment. But I really felt empowered by talking to Fran. With these little nuggets of knowledge, I feel more confident in being able to make better choices or to at least pose the question of climate consciousness to companies I'm already a customer of. In the end, we're all in this together, right? And if you're interested in Fran's work, particularly when it comes to food, Fran has some really exciting news for you. But I'll let him tell you himself. I mean, one thing I'm very proud of is that uh, we've been raising a lot of interest internally at KDH in the last years about food issues. Mm. Because, I mean, I actually got to love and learn food science in Australia. So it's a very dear, when I was in Brisbane, Ooh, I have to say that I was at the crazy. University of Queensland, that's when I got my, my love for, for carbohydrates, what we were talking about. Fantastic. So, yeah. So I tried to, I mean, when I came back to Sweden, I mean, I had it a little bit on the back of my head. So in the last four years, not only myself, obviously, but with some colleagues that we also have the interest mm. about food from different perspectives. So, so we've been, you know, doing a lot of internal job and mm. a lot of thinking how we can actually leave that issue in, in KTH. Mm. So this year we are starting a new environment which we call it research environment for sustainable and healthy food systems. So that I'm very proud of. Oh Fran, that's great. Yes. So we're putting food as one of the you know hot topics of of research and education at KTH for the next five years. So Wow yeah. that's fantastic. So this is becoming part of the curriculum yeah. at KTH. Yeah. Bravo! Yes, exactly. Bra, you're bad. Tax okay. <laughs> yeah, That's we're, amazing. We're making a new course probably starting 2023. Wow. On that, because there was no specific food course uh, mm. uh, yet. We're trying to, you know, as I say, build attention to the topic and see, connect with with all the pot- potential researchers that are interested in the area. Because as I say, food is very, it's, I would say, one of the most complex economical sectors it's really I mean it it sounds stupid but you know just to drink an orange juice or just Mm. to produce food it's really a lot of science behind it and a lot of technology behind it and we give it for granted because we have it you know just up for grabs absolutely we don't see how it gets there we don't see how it's there Mm. you know all the different areas that are huge at KDH Mm. put them together align them and try to to work towards a, a, a better food system so that's one thing that yeah, I'm kind of proud of it. You so. should be so proud of that, Fran. Yeah. That's fantastic. Will you be a teacher at this course? Uh, hopefully, yes. Fantastic. That would be nice. And you teach at KTH yeah, now as well. Great. What's it like teaching in Swedish? Well, it's... Because <laughs> <laughs> you it's speak challenging. Swedish fluently, I do, of I course. Do, I do, yes. Mm. It's, it's actually challenging because of the concepts, of course. I mean, some of the concepts are for me a little bit difficult to translate them in, in Swedish. But again, you know, you get used to it. I mean, yeah. and, I, and I, I do teach in Swedish and in English, so both. Okay, yeah. Uh, I feel more comfortable in English, obviously. Oh. <laughs> but then, you know, you, you learn how to teach in Swedish as well. And I guess for what you're doing, it's, it's vital to speak Swedish. Uh, yes. I mean, well, at KTH, the, the environment is very international. Mm. So I would say English is... I mean, it would say maybe equally spoken as, as, as Swedish mm. and depends on where you are in which department. But for, for undergrad courses, you need to teach in Swedish. It has to be in Swedish. That's by law. Yeah, the, some of the law, like my, yeah. my husband's course was uh, all about real estate law. That has to be in that Swedish. Has to be in Swedish. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's, no, there's no other way. Yeah. Some courses, of course, the master courses are in English, the PhD courses are in English. But then one of the things I realized is that, you know, making the effort of learning Swedish shows a long-term commitment to be here, mm. to start with. And then when you really want to climb up the ladder, mm. then Swedish becomes a language of management. I mean, we need yeah. to be aware that 
KTH is a public university and the language is mm. Swedish. I mean, mm. and that's the official language of, of Sweden. So, I mean, for management, for, for legal issues, Swedish is the language. So you, mm. we need to learn it. We need to make an effort to, to learn it. It Absolutely. takes time, but it, it pays off. I think it was one of the best investments I did, you know, to mm. learn Swedish from the beginning, to take it seriously. You know, I think it's important to be persistent. And, and another thing is actually to just to try the language. I mean, the language is, is to be able to communicate. So yeah, communicate. Exactly. exactly. Even if you're a little bit wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and have a drink, loosen up. Exactly. And then I mean, then you're great. Yes, I, mean, <laughs> I remember my first couple of years with a glass of wine, my Swedish was, I thought it was perfect. <laughs> I'm sure it was not. But people seemed to understand me. So yeah, and well, they, they enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. So yeah, I mean, it's, um, as I say, it, it, it's an investment. It mm. takes time. It can be frustrating. Yeah, we, we've all been there. I yeah, mean, you, st- you study and you don't see any improvement, any improvement and mm. I'm like, ah. but yeah, in the long term, it pays off. It does. It does. And finally, because Fran is a fellow longer time newbie, I wanted to know how much of a Swede had Fran become over the years. Have you sort of become really immersed in any? Quintessentially Swedish things like Melody Festival and also Mickey Betra. You touched the, the key word here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Melody Festival, and yes, uh, actually, oh my yeah, it's my it's my it's my favorite thing. I got I got really hooked into it very early on. Uh, it helped me to learn Swedish. Yes. It helped me to meet very dear friends. Mm. Yeah, so that's my most Swedish thing. And the second thing you're gonna love, <laughs> Kales Caviar. <laughs> Kalis caviar. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Then with a boiled egg. Okay, now you're thing. going too far. I don't yeah. even like Kalis caviar. <laughs> My God. But have you tried? Um, have you tried Suströmming? Once. You have tried it. Once. Good for you. Never again. Not many Swedes have tried it. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah. You should be proud of your heritage. You mean exactly. at least try it once. Just be proud of your stinky fish. Exactly. <laughs> I've also tried it. What did you think? Well, it tastes a hell of a lot better than it smells. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Because <laughs> if it tasted like it smelled, I'd, mm-hmm. then, then mm-hmm. there's no. something wrong no. with no. these people. <laughs> if you are interested in learning more about Fran and his work, you can follow him on Twitter at Group Villa Planner. That's G R U P. V-I-L-A-P-L-A-N-A. But don't worry, I will link to his Twitter in the episode notes as well as other links about the work he does. And just before it was time to leave Fran, he let me know that he's actually just about to embark on a big move within Sweden. So, um, you're a Stockholmer. Yes. But you're soon going to be a, what do you call a Lund living person? A Lundere. Lundare, yes. I'm scared still, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what brings you to Lund? So actually a very good opportunity, work opportunity, uh, mm. came up in Lund. Mm. So me and my husband, we're going to move there probably 2023. It's not decided yet because there are a lot of arrangements to be to be made. But I mean, it's a really exciting opportunity because I will be able to keep, you know, part of my roles at KTH. Mm. But at the same time, explore what it is to work for uh, for the private sector, for the company, which is working in also with sustainable and healthy food products. Fantastic. So it's going to be exciting and let's let's try how it is to you know to speak with Skonska accent. I was going to say good luck understanding yeah. anybody, yeah, mate. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to do my best. <laughs> but I mean we're very excited. I mean as I said we we, we always lived in Stockholm and mm. it would be really cool to to see how how other parts of Sweden actually also look yeah. like. So I have a real soft spot for Skåne. I haven't spent so much time in Lund, but Malmö, mm-hmm. Estelian. Yes, I really. It's beautiful there. It is. We've yeah. been we've been several times, of course, already. We've been to Estelian, to also to to Hoganes and Mölle area, Malmö and Lund. Yeah. So we're really really excited to explore to explore that. Yeah, for, for a few years, yes. Oh, well, congratulations you. on your new role. Yes. And I guess working with the private sector, you'll be doing the research and all that, but purely for their yes. products and for their intentions. Exactly, yes. Then you are getting exactly what we were talking about before. You're getting the next steps that come after the research. You're getting the people who will implement this. Exactly, 
That's a little. That's really exciting. That's exactly a little bit when this this opportunity came, it was really like the possibility to make an impact mm. and to really see how it actually works. Because as you were exactly what you're saying, I mean, when we're doing some research, it just stops at a certain point. Mm. But here, hopefully, I will be able to see, you know, what really happens when you're developing new knowledge, new technology, and that really impacts a product or and the customers. So really, to see the whole span of the. Yeah, of the, of the chain. So yeah, yeah, what they do with yeah. your fantastic research Ideas, and yeah, what exactly. it turns into. Exactly. And the end result will be making a difference to the planet. That's the idea. I mean, how bloody inspiring. It is. I would love to reconnect with you and see how it's all going in Lund. Yes. You'll have a Skonska accent by uh, then. I will. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Skonska, Spanska. That would be fun. <laughs> That'll sound delightful. Well, good luck, Fran, with your, you. your new venture in thank Lund. You. It's very exciting. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It's thank been you. fantastic. No, it's been so much fun, yes. Yeah, you're very good on a pod. <laughs> oh, I learned from you. <laughs> yes, it was very easy. It was super nice. Yeah, oh, really. Good. I'm so. so glad. I'm so glad. Time for some tips. Getting a sustainability groove on in Sweden. Listen, newbies, I have no doubt that you are already a fully-fledged, five-star rated recycling wonder human, but I just thought I'd shine a light on some other ways you can live your life more circularly and in many ways save a kroner in doing so. First up, clothes. Sweden is hella famous for having a really cool secondhand clothes culture. By going secondhand, not only are you minimizing your carbon footprint and saving cash, but the clothes in some of these secondhand stores are fucking cool. Beyond Retro is one of the more famous secondhand stores in Sweden, having stores in Malmö, of course, in Stockholm and in Gothenburg, but they've also even branched out to London. If you don't live in any of these cities though, never fear, Beyond Retro has an online store that has you sorted. And speaking of shopping online, my biggest obsession at the moment is the app Tradera. It's a huge secondhand goods marketplace where you can buy clothes, you can buy shoes, furniture, electronics, kids stuff, fucking anything. Tradera is really cool because both secondhand stores like Selpie use it to sell their goods, but also private people can use it too, so anyone can sell something on Tradera. Majority of items are sold via auction, so you can get a real steal on there. Personally, I've only used Tradera to buy clothes and shoes, but I have got to say, girl, the absolute gems I have managed to score on Tradera are out of this fucking world. I mainly use it to buy items by designers that I would feel like sick to my stomach buying new because guys, don't forget, there's a lot of really rich people living in Sweden, like especially Stockholm, who can afford all this Scandinavian designer shit. And you know, when the season is over, these rich people like just don't want this designer shit anymore. So then they put it on Tradera for like a fraction of the price and it's in really good condition. And then that's when I swoop in and get a fucking steal. So just honestly, trust me, Tradera needs to be in your life. Lopis, Lopisar. If you've spent more than 10 minutes in the countryside, you have no doubt passed a sign on the road with the word Lopis scribbled on it. Lopis means flea market, and they are usually bloody fantastic in Sweden and well worth a look. Lopis, though, are not just exclusively for the countryside. Just Google Lopis and the city or area you're living in, and you'll definitely find something near you. Stadsmichun shops are another great way to shop secondhand. Stadsmichun is an independent, not-for-profit organisation which exists in many cities around Sweden. Stadsmichun support the homeless and those suffering from abuse. So by shopping at a Stadsmichun secondhand store, you're not only going to find some really great and cheap items, but you're supporting a really beautiful and important cause. And now for some furniture tips. We've all been there, you're getting a new sofa and you want to get rid of your old one. 
You could, of course, take it to your local Ortwinsterhorn and dispose of it there. Good job. Or if it's still in good condition, maybe you'd like to donate it to someone in exchange for them coming to pick it up. TipTap is really good for that. It's an app where you can upload a picture of your furniture and other people will volunteer to come and get it at a time that suits you. So you don't have to worry about hiring a van and removing it yourself and they get your old sofa. For those wanting to eat more local and sustainably, you should familiarize yourself with Reko Ringar. That's R-E-K-O. Basically, Reko is a great initiative where local producers connect directly with consumers in the area. So you, a consumer, can buy directly from the farmers, skipping the middleman. Not only are you supporting your local food producers, but it also means you know exactly how and where your food is produced. Reco is very big on transparency and the farmers are expected to provide all information about how their produce is farmed. Most Reco rings are managed through Facebook, so just jump on Facebook and search R-E-K-O and your area to see if there's one near you. I could go on forever about cool sustainable options, guys, but I also want to throw things over to you. What are your great sustainable tips and tricks? I will post this question on our Instagram and our Facebook group so we can all have a little knowledge share moment and try to make all of our lives a bit more sustainable. Well, my newbie friends, we have come to that time again when it is the end of the episode. But I hope you have enjoyed this one. I hope you can walk away from this episode feeling proud to be part of a society that has sustainability so much in the forefront of everything it does. I hope you are motivated to visit your recycling room. And I hope you are excited about these great sustainable projects mentioned in the episode. And just in case you were wondering, the Swedish punt system, it started in 1984 for aluminium cans and then 1994 for plastic bottles. So, now you know. Thanks, Anna Banana, for yet another wondrous fact about Sweden. As always, please drop us a line and let us know how you feel about this episode and take part in any discussions in the Facebook group and Instagram page. We can be found on Instagram at The Newbie Guide to Sweden or on Facebook, The Newbie Guide to Sweden Facebook group. My name is Shiona and until next time, take care of yourself and hearty bra. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.